0: I'm Sebastian Mahfud, and you're listening to WCAT Radio, the on-air wing of Enroute Books and Media, bringing you the dulcet sounds of Catholic wisdom. Greetings, everyone. This is the View, and this is a program devoted to trying to grow in holiness and trying to understand different concepts that will help us in spirituality, which is the road to God. And so I have with me today for our panel, I have Louise Walker, Dave Bastone, and Maria Smith, and we have a different kind of topic today because I wrote an article which hasn't been published yet, but it's called Pop Psychology and Catholic Spirituality. And I'm, by the way, Rhonda Chervin. I'm a retired professor of philosophy and of spirituality, author of many books, and radio and TV presenter, and a dedicated widow. Anyway, so in this article, I first define the terms roughly. So psychology without the pop adjective is the study of the human psyche. And you're all familiar with experimental psychology, Freudian psychoanalysis, Jungian, Gestalt, and many other types of psychology of that type. Now the term pop psychology is usually used as a negative description of a whole range of self-help and group methods for dealing with emotional problems that have developed in the second half of the 20th century and continue into the present century. And there are a lot of groups based on these top psychological theories that non-professional use and also Christian counselors who are not professional psychologists. And the term Catholic spirituality Includes the age-old teachings of our spiritual masters, such as St. Benedict, St. Francis, St. Ignatius of Loyola, St. Teresa of Avila, John of the Cross, St. Francis de Sal, and many others. Now, there are two main current attitudes about top psychology. Hello? Yeah. Okay, I've got cut off for a second. Okay. So some people hate pop psychology (laughs) and they think it's a ridiculous substitute for spirituality and they identify it with people who left religious communities, left the priesthood, left their spouses on the basis of pop psychology. And so they also think It has this facile thing. If you just figure out your personality type, if you join our little self-help group, you will live happily ever after in time and in eternity. That's the Mm -hmm. mocking view of pop psychology. And also that people involved in pop psychology tend to label other people. Okay, so some professional Christian psychologists are concerned about pop psychology, and they want people to go to really trained psychologists instead. On the other hand, some of us who do Christian counseling or Christian teachings on spirituality think pop psychology is terrific. (laughs) So there are many people who don't have a lot of money to go to psychologists for long treatments, but they can go to groups, usually free or by donation, and they can get a lot of tools to help them live. So my idea in this article is to try to show how you could mingle certain concepts of pop psychology with spirituality in a good way. So I sent this article to the members of our group to see what they would, what they thought of it, and so before I go into my own examples of this, I'd like to ask each of you just say something about what your initial reaction to the topic is. Okay, maybe Maria, you start. Sure. Um,
1: let's see from your article. One, th- there were several things that really struck me, and um, let's, I'll start with the first. You spoke about the Myers-Briggs. Um, I think that, that, which is considered by some to be pop psychology, I think there's definitely a value to the Myers-Briggs, to the, um, the 16 personality types, but only up to a certain extent. I have done that, and I do like that. And I know what my personality type is, and I think that it applies very much to all the things that it says about it. And I see this with other people. But it doesn't define who you are. It is only a part of who you are. Similarly, with the four temperaments that I believe even St. Thomas Aquinas did, if I'm not mistaken, and, and also somebody, um, I think a theologian named Jordan Oman. Is that correct, Rhonda? Would you happen to know of him? Mm-hmm.
0: I didn't hear the name.
1: Jordan Alman, A-U-M-A-N-N. Oh, yes, yes, yes.
0: Jordan Aumann, A-U-M-A-N-N. He's a very important spiritual writer.
1: Yes, and he, I think, spoke on the temperaments, and I, I really appreciated what he wrote about them, very, very um, precise, very accurate in many ways. But again, even that is just a part of who you are. You have to take in the whole person's experiences, the family that they were brought, uh, brought up in, the culture they were brought up in, the experiences that they've had. Everything together makes a person. You can't define a person by their Myers-Briggs letters. You can't define them by their temperament or by their or by their upbringing, by their nationality. Everything makes a whole. And I think perhaps the psychologists who are against pop psychology, perhaps that's one of the reasons because people say, oh, I'm an INTJ and this means I do things this way and I don't get along with that person. No, it's just a part of who you are and they can define you into a certain way. And also with pop psychology, I would have to say, there are some things that could actually be harmful to people. But in all, even in professional psychology, I think that there are things that are, can be very detrimental to certain people if not seen in the light of, of a, a Christian. Christian way of understanding oneself. And psychology as you said is the study of the psyche the study of the soul. So if you're a secular psychologist do they realize that they're studying the soul? That they're not just studying the mind and the way it behaves? It's really a study of the whole person and the person is their soul, their essence.
0: Oh, sorry very good Maria. Yes I agree with you. I think it's very very well put. Okay,
2: Dave. Yeah, I made some notes, and um, I'll just they were mostly in the forms of questions, uh, but uh, we can talk about them later, but uh, let me just get these few comments out. Um, based on what I read that you wrote uh, was a little
0: louder, please.
2: Does, okay. does spirituality start where pop psychology ends? That's one of my questions. Um, when do the quotes, et cetera, have to give way to a deeper understanding? Well,
0: I can probably hear you. Uh,
2: okay, is this better?
0: Yeah.
2: Okay. Uh, let me, I'll start over. Uh, my, I, I came up with questions, and um, the list is short, but uh, does spirituality start where pop psychology ends? Um, where do? Uh, when do the quotes, et cetera, have to give way to a deeper understanding of our relationship with a higher power. Um, is pop psychology entry-level and spirituality the spirituality the real cause of a person getting better? And it seems like to me living a Christ-centered life is the end point, whereas pop psychology is perhaps a pathway to start the process. Um, the two are at, at totally different levels. And one comment I'll make, and I think it was the using the letters. It was the judging versus the perception. Do I have that right? The J and the yeah. B. Okay, I, I I don't think people necessarily fall into either one of those very cleanly because I start out with some things uh, being uh, a perception oriented. Meaning that I'm willing to listen and, and, and do my research and get my facts, but once I've pretty much con- drawn a conclusion about something, then I fall into the J category. You have a hard time convincing me um, uh, to change my opinion if, if what you're throwing at me is not well researched. In other words, I do my research, I come to a conclusion, and then I need someone that will challenge my conclusion through their own research and through their own maybe higher understanding of where I am. So I I think these things can bounce back and forth in a lot of ways. But I really do believe that spirituality is the end point, and pop psychology is maybe just an entry-level, you know, starting place. Very, very good,
0: Dave. Now, one of the things that I say in the article, there are people who say, since, psychology is so elementary and not the deepest thing, why get into it at all? To which I respond, well, how is it that people who are deep into spirituality who go to daily mass who pray an hour a day in one form or another still have sometimes terrible personality traits which don't seem to be um, healed by all that prayer, and they're in denial of these traits, and but everybody around them knows what they are. So uh, that's my you know, question, also. But let me go on to Louise. Could you just say something about your preliminary reaction?
3: Yeah, uh, I have strong feelings. I, I come in somewhat prejudiced. I, I don't like labels, I think they're too confining. Uh, to limiting uh and they they actually upset me because it it 's a way of our pegging people, putting them in a box, and all of a sudden they think they 're this way and and that 's the way they act, and it can become an excuse for for flaws for sins, for the way they they believe um so I just have a strong, strong repugnance towards these labels and turning them into our new gods i I like uh, Gabriel Marcel, who who speaks in in a mystery of being, as uh, as truth not being that simple because we we're rooted in God and, and we're complex, and and he says truth does not involve a a universal technique of extraction by a simple formula. So so it's it's good to know the the ideas in pop psychology, but we have to take them a little bit further, we have to take them to the spiritual realm. We need a firm grounding, or or we can really mess people up really bad. Uh, Psychology counseling uh, needs to be done from the proper orientation, or or people can get so, so, so messed up. And and I feel strongly about this because I, I have a friend whose daughter went to therapy. And 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 just came up with wicked opinions about the family, and then the whole family had to go into therapy together, and some awful things were said, and uh, that should never have come out in the open. So so uh, so so I like the idea of terms. You know, some people are introverts, some are extroverts, uh, as, as some of the labels. But on the other hand, we have to realize that we're some. Uh, we can be some of everything. We can be both an introvert and, and an extrovert, and and I, I just don't like so many of the labels. But I, I think God, uh, I think providing uh, psychology as a background with good spiritual directions, good Christian counseling can bring a person uh, along a long, long way. Um, as, as All right. Author, but basically, that's my starting point. Okay. Okay.
0: So now um, let's look at maybe particular types of these types of these that I have in my article, which they read first. So some of you who are listening to the program, and you could always call in by the way, some of you are not familiar with these typologies. So the one that is most famous and well known is called Myers Briggs Personality Typology. And it became very famous in the 30s. It's based on Jung's personality types. Carl Jung was a famous uh, 20th century psychoanalyst. Anyway, so the idea is that you would have most people, some people are in the middle, but some people are extremes of these. And when you get the extremes of these opposite types, then you get something which any counselor or any spiritual director would have to look at. So if, you know, I'm just going to describe them the way I think of them. So you have extrovert versus introvert. And what helped me in learning about this is to see, I would always have this idea, I want to be like these contemplative nuns who live in a trance of union with God and speak only beautiful phrases once a week, (laughs) something like that. But since I test on this thing as an extreme extrovert, they all have tests. If you're interested in any of these, you could always Google the personality typology and find out about them anyway. But since I'm so extrovert, all my life God has used me as a teacher to talk to people, not to be this silent person in a contemplative trance. So, you know, it helps me to realize that. So it doesn't mean I should just say I'm an extrovert, I can't pray silently. I need to pray silently very much, but I can't expect that I'll come out looking like the monk who wrote The Cloud of Unknowing, see, something like that. So one I then, when you what about uh, someone already spoke about judging versus perceiving, but what about some of the others? Did any of you have any thoughts? Of, have any of you done this test and you have thoughts about these? How they would relate to spirituality? Uh,
1: yes, I have done these tests. This test I actually did it several times with years in between, and I always get the exact same one. So for me, that's indicative that it, it is who I am. I always get I-N-F-J, and sometimes more or less I, more or less N, etc. But I always get the same one. And when I read about what it says about that type, it fits me to a T. Everything about it, I was like, whoa, that is really me? How could they have, you know, have really guessed? And one of the things they say is that For somebody like me, teaching, counseling, caring for people is really the best careers for me. And I was like, yeah, that's true. So all that, for me, I I see a lot of it that is very good. Some other people, it might not be so applicable to them. Perhaps they don't see them in that. And there's all differences, too. Um, For the I, which is introvert, I am very much introverted. However, my love of sharing the things that I hold most important such as Christ, um, joy, virtue, those things get me out of my introversion and want me to connect with other people. Um, The N, which is the intuitive, and the F, which is the feeling, and the J. The J I'm not so much on. I don't – J is really liking a lot of structure, in your day, a lot of schedules, very organized. And there are some people like that, I know people like that, they really wanna have everything down planned to a T. And I don't, I, I like to have things structured, but then very flexible, a loose overall structure, then very flexible. Um, Rhonda, Dr. Rhonda, I would like to address what Louise was speaking about, about bad counseling that has actually harmed people. Especially, yeah, sure. Okay, well, with bad counseling, Unfortunately, that is definitely a danger. I think it's more of a danger with secular psychologists, but unfortunately, it's also a danger with religious, Christian, and even Catholic counselors, psychologists, therapists. And basically, really, we really, you know, we have to go, even to counseling, we have to go with the thought that it's all in God's hands, it's all God's will, and going to counseling, if you go there with absolutely no idea of who you want or what you want, you're more likely to get to, to to go from one end to another to believe whatever you're being told. But fundamentally we have to have some relationship with God, I think, before we can even try to quote unquote fix ourselves or heal ourselves. God, Jesus Christ is the divine physician and all healing comes through him. If we look to any physical doctor of the body to fix us or fit, or anybody or a, a therapist to fix us, if we're looking for them to save us and fix us, I think we're gonna be disappointed. We have to go there with some knowledge of who we are and what we're looking for, what kind of help we're looking for. And if it doesn't sound right, we have to be able to discern after all, no matter what happens to our bodies, to our minds, to our souls, we're responsible for it.
0: Very, very good. Very well, very well expressed. So that's definitely a side of that. And um, does anyone, uh, Dave, what, what, are you, what would you like to say for some of this?
2: Well, I think Maria's said it very well. I tend to agree with her on those points she was making, and so no need for me to repeat that. But once again, as I said earlier, I think um, living a Christ-centered life is the end point. And anything else, what, you may not start there uh, with a spiritual, uh, you know, going the spiritual route, but uh, so pop psychology to me is basically just an entry into something much deeper. And if you don't end up in that, Deeper relationship with Christ, you're going to be disappointed. I don't think there's a doctor out there that's going to fix you or heal you for a long time. It could be temporary, and you may come away thinking, you know, I'm all set. But sooner or later, the forces around you are going to drag you back down unless you have something like Jesus to to look to and to be, you know, to model for you. And you, you have to have that firm grasp on the teachings of Christ. And without that, I think you're very uh, likely to just slide right back to where you were and maybe in worse shape than you started because you, you may be giving up on trying to find help anywhere at that point. You've tried and you failed. So I think getting to that spiritual center that we all have to get to um, is so important. And, and, and it really... Bothers me today to to turn on the news and to hear what's going on and all the you know these false fixes and how government can do this and this person can do that and this product can do that. That's not the that's not the the uh, the solution. We we got to turn this thing around. So your article just got all these thoughts and feelings going in me and the, you know Maria and Louise and Dr. Ronder. You've all kind of just fed into what I've been thinking all along. So. It's been very good. I appreciate um, the chance to uh, read the article. Thank you.
0: Oh, okay. Well, I'd like to come on on the other side. So most of the people I know are daily mass, very deep spiritual Catholics. And among those, there are some who nevertheless have behaviors which are extremely mentally unbalanced at the same time. And some of these have great difficulty even admitting that they have these syndromes, which are addressed by psychologists very well in ways that could help them, but they're too proud to look into these things. See? That's, that's true. Then the, we surprised. get that thing, it's like if someone would say, I have a toothache, but I'm not going to go to the dentist because I'm going to just pray for a spiritual healing of my tooth. So, you know, so there's a little, um, you know, there's an other side to this which is seems very um, well. It seems worth looking at, you know. So I mean, uh, yes. we all know there are people in the church, including yes. leaders, who are alcoholics, yes. for instance. Yeah, and it's not because they don't have a spiritual life. They've had years and years of training and spirituality, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But they're just trapped in these patterns. And when they go to, there's a whole Alcoholics Anonymous for Catholics. And they go at it with a mixture of Catholic spirituality and 12 step and so on and so forth. So, okay, but so now, um, hmm. So, who would like to say something to any of this? <laughs> Your
3: well, well, daily I, I,
1: mass. Go ahead. Go ahead, no, Louise. No, no. You
3: haven't spoken. Yeah. go ahead, Louise. Well, the daily mass paragraph is the one that really caught my attention, um, uh, 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 because it, it it is such a good question. Uh, why is it that there are daily mass goers um, that may pray an hour? And still have such glaring faults, victimizing those they love, um, not able to overcome addictions and anger and anxiety. It's it's almost uh, it's almost against it's it's like 180 degrees opposite of one would of what one would expect from a daily mass goer. That was like the most jaw dropping, eye opening question that that you had to offer uh, that caught my attention. And, and on the other hand, uh, as you had said earlier in the show, people need to ex- accept responsibility for their actions. So if a person starts drinking one glass of wine a day and then two and three, and, and et cetera, so by the time they may become an alcoholic, whatever they do, they need to accept responsibility for ultimately down the road from the little steps they took in the beginning. So so we need to practice daily examination and do what is right every day so these things don't build up. But I love question. I love, that, your question. Yeah. I love think, your question.
0: I think most people would agree who are in any of these programs that you could get out of these negative syndromes through prayer, not if you're in denial usually. See, That's a mm. big factor in all of this. So, I mean, people in 12 steps, uh, they talk a great deal about denial. So if a person is, let's take something, um, you know, let's take some a shopaholic, let's say. <laughs> they say they have excuses for everything they do. Well, I'm getting bargained. And this way I pay much less money for things. But meanwhile, they have like a, a million items in their house that they don't mm-hmm. use, no room in the closet can't find anything, et cetera, et cetera. So you can't just say, I mean, it doesn't seem to work to just say, look back to where you first bought something that you didn't need and, you know, repent of that. It seems as if the support and the prayers of other people with the same syndrome accounting to each other in these groups is that God uses these groups to help people with that. So they in these type of groups, they have a sponsor eventually and they have to report to the sponsor, what did I buy today? See what I mean? Mm. So the daily <laughs> communicants, your, your friends in the prayer group at the parish don't ask you that question. You know, et cetera, et cetera. Oh. See what I mean? So, you know, the other alcoholics or drug addicts, they know exactly what all these excuses amount to, and they can witness to how they, with the help of God, got through, they call it the higher power, how God got them through this by means of these groups. Well, listen, I want to say, if anyone would like to read more about this, you could email me and I'll send you a copy of the article if you're a listener. Uh, so um, my email is my name backwards. That is my last name first, Rhonda at com, and I'll mail you the whole article if you want. Well, we only have a couple of minutes left, so... Um, What do we want to do? I don't know if we necessarily want to do more on this. I have other ideas for next week. Uh, But um, what do any of you think? Uh, Mother's Day. Oh, yes, that's right. Next week we're going to do Mother's Day, and some people can come and some can't come. But I want to talk about um, a book I wrote called Mary Teach Us How to Live, about Mary as a mother. And also other things about mothers, and then the week after, just start on something else.
2: I, I still would like to pursue the uh, person who goes to mass um, an hour uh, every day in prays an hour and still has problems. I, I think there's you, you just kind of just kind of opened that
1: up. Yeah, I, Dave, I'm in total agreement. I think that's a very important topic because a. I think a lot of people do that. They go to Mass, for, exactly. for, and you know what? And They turn other people off. If that person has been going to Mass for 30 years every single yep. day, and that's the way they act, I want no part of Catholicism.
2: Yeah. Here's the thing. That is just too important to let go, because it, like you said, Maria, it, it has such an impact in the public square and um and, and i just it has so much more uh, depth to it and we just scratched the surface but if we could do that in 2 weeks would would that be okay
0: sure sure right. so let me let me write that down so that would be not may 13th but may 20th we would do how, how do you want to phrase that day
2: well, just the way you you wrote it in in the article is uh, that some people go to mass every day and spend an hour in prayer yet have all kinds of issues. Um, now,
1: why why does mass seem ineffective to yeah. changing to radically changing
0: to either yeah. radically changing or healing people?
2: Yeah. Yeah.
3: And
0: and also. Well, I have very to, good I have very good answers for that by the way. Okay. <laughs> So let's do so next week we'll do Mother's Day and I don't know if you can come Dave, or not cuz you no, have a wife no, and no, you're probably doing yeah, Mother's Day.
2: No, no Mother's this. Day is pretty much off for me. Okay. Oh, okay I might be able
0: so, to. I might
2: be what?
3: able
0: to. What's what is the name of that book again?
3: It's a free where download is, on the web.
0: Mary Teach Us How to Live. It's on my
3: website under free books. Okay. I just google it and it pops up real quick. Yeah. Okay. 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 And
0: and we know that you're busy with your mother, dear Louise, and that's wonderful. So Louise has a mother who she spent a lot of time with, an old older mother, um, and that's wonderful. Okay. So um, it's now four thirty-one. So let's have a closing prayer.
3: Um, Louise, would you say the closing prayer? Uh, thank you, uh, Lord Jesus. Thank you for uh, being here with us today, and and thank you for uh, for guiding us in the long way as we progress in our quest to grow closer to you, to grow stronger in love every week, and thank you for bringing to mind all these topics that are so important for uh, uh, for just learning to love you better and to understand ourselves better. And may the Holy Spirit continue to inspire us and move this program in the right way so that all of us universally can grow. And please bless each and every one of our families here on the panel and here in the audience and help us to grow in holiness every day and let us have holy relationships with everybody we meet.
0: Amen. 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 Thank you for being here.
3: Thank you, Rhonda. Bye. Rhonda. Bye. Bye.
0: We hope you enjoyed the program and will join us back for another show on WCAT Radio. This is Sebastian Mafoud. Good day.